0: So the demand for smart growth, uh, what I'm going to talk about here is what we know about the demand for growth and actually the National Association for Realtors has done some great surveys throughout the last 10 or 15 years. And it is something that I, as a planner, when I go into a community, I use that resource, one, because I know it's a quality source and very well documented, and two, uh, because people really believe the information it, it says. And so uh, it's, it's great to have that. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about the research that they've done. Um, and then what is the de- driving the demand for smart growth? We'll talk a little bit about that. The demographics, changing economic drivers, and the changing costs of development. So one of the, cert- one of the questions that the uh, National Association Survey did, and you can, you can get all of the survey online, I think it's kind of fascinating reading, but if they were asked that if you had a choice to make, which community would you want to live in? A community A is a conventional suburb with houses on large yards, and you have to drive to the places you need to go. So you're driving to your work and your stores and to restaurants. And community B is a walkable community, houses with small yards, and it's easy to walk to the places you need to go. And there's there's, Uh, Both of these are perfectly acceptable. They're both going to be here in the next 50, 100 years, so we're not saying anything bad about one or the other. Um, Just a show of hands, if you were making a choice today, would you choose uh, community A? Okay. And a community B? Okay. So that's kind of pretty close to what the national preferences are, which is about 50-50. There was one year that um, it showed, uh, I think the survey before this one showed a preference for walkable areas, but I think they realized the way that they they worded the question kind of through it some. So all of the other years have shown about a 50-50 preference for uh, homes A and B. And then the important thing is there's a lot more of the A types of homes being built and very few of the B types of homes. So I'll talk a little bit more about the uh, way that we're not meeting those demands in a bit. So the preferences have, have shown that they've kind of drilled down to what it is that you want that would make you make that decision and uh, the top bar is that um, let me go over here for a minute that there's a mix of houses and stores and other businesses that are easy to walk to so uh, people that would drive 65 percent houses with smaller yards that you would have a shorter commute to work so they really drill down on what it is that people see as why they would like to uh, live in a, a more compact neighborhood. And then they asked the question and kind of car- cross-referenced it with for those people that were saying um, either A or B, how happy were they? with where they lived. And, and the people that lived in walkable areas believed they were a little bit happier than the ones that just lived in the other uh, areas. But uh, there, that could be a lot of different factors there, but I think that people generally, re- when they live in that walkable type of an area, they're very happy about it and, it, and I feel like they're... Uh, their needs are being met. And then, uh, more importantly, or very importantly, the there's a increase in, in, if you're in a walkable area, that can also increase your value of your homes you're selling as well. So, um, it can be anywhere from, uh, it's probably around uh, 10 to 15%. This is the 15 line, 10 line here, and five. So these are, uh, your region is not in here, but uh, it's, it, it does show that there is a, a improvement in, in values and then also in rents as well. So uh, being in a walkable community will garner, in, a, in the same region, will garner more uh, rent for that uh, same size of residential use. <clears throat> so I, I mentioned earlier that walkable areas aren't just down, big downtowns, they can be small. Main streets, little community areas, shopping centers, so you really think about all scales of development and all places of development. How many of you use Walk score in your in your sales analysis? A couple of you do there 's a tool online that 's free, and a lot of people have started using this and when people say, "Hey, I want somewhere that has places close to walk to. And uh, you can go on and plug in any address and it will give you a walk score. And so I did it for here. And I was shocked that it's actually a 52% uh, or 50, you got a score of 52, which means uh, it's, it's an okay walkable place. So there are places you can walk to here. And, uh, and, and there's the places that it says that you can go from here walking or dining and drinking groceries, errands, I guess there's a school and a park, so uh, there are those types of uses um, that even when they don't look real walkable are still walkable. And then I did Old Town since that's where I was last night and it has a 73 walk score which is very walkable and a bike score of 86, so it's very bike-friendly. So you can kind of get a sense of whether there—if You know, some people don't care about it, so you'd not bother with this, but there are some people, and you're going to see more and more, most likely, that are interested in how walkable that area is, and this is a great tool to use. So what drives this demand? The demographics, economics, and the changing costs. The demographic change. The, there's the uh, aging population. People my age are are starting to age, and we're, since there's so many of us, it's really changing the market. Uh, the millennials are hitting adulthood, and that's a big change also. And then culture-wide changes in household sizes and labor force participation are the the society is changing as far as the mix of of backgrounds and and there's a different demand for different types of housing uh, given where you came from and and what you grew up with. So housing composition, uh, the average household size is 2.54 now, which is way down. Uh, it's 25% smaller than in 1950, so it used to be closer to four, and when and so this means that people need less space, and there's not as big of a demand, and there's also a lot more people living by themselves. Uh, they're married with no kids or single-person households. So this was 1950. We were either married with children or married no kids, and now we're... Uh, The married with children hasn't changed a lot since 1950, but married with no kids, uh, other families, single-person households, and then non-family households are all growing. So that changes the type of housing that we're looking for as well. Everyone isn't looking for the big yard and uh, swing set and a lot of maintenance and um, looking for other things to live. So in uh, 2015, more than a quarter of all households were single individuals, and uh, single people often don't want to live in a large uh, single-family house. They want a maintenance-free kind of uh, home, and so that's changing the market. And then the population is aging, and this is my, uh, could easily be my 92-year-old mother who's still driving uh, the Dallas roads faster than I do. the number of households headed by this group will nearly double between now and, or 2005 and 2030. So, and we're already seeing that, and, and uh, not everyone wants to go into a retirement community. There's a lot of desire for, I have a friend actually who, uh, after they put their kids through school, they went and purchased a house uh, near a Dart train station, and with the idea of renting it, and then when they wanted to move, they were going to rebuild it and be able to walk and get anywhere they wanted to get on the train system in, in Dallas. And I think more and more people are looking at those kinds of opportunities of how you can get around and, uh, and really have your same quality of life but not necessarily have the large lot and all of the, the needs that you have to maintain that large house. Would y'all help me um, know when it's like... An hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes, just so I can give a break. Okay, thanks. Uh, changing demands are also uh, no children, fewer bedrooms. Um, the demand to age in place used to be people would kind of get shipped off when... And to different places, or to, I know my grandma came and lived with us, and, and that's not uh, so happening so much. People want to be able to stay in the community. They've made deep connections in those communities and want to have opportunities to live there, which it, it place a requirement on different types of housing. And then shorter commutes and access to restaurants and hangouts is a priority for younger ha- uh, buyers. So th- I talked about the, the, Uh, desire for different types of housing and this is showing the demand and supply and uh, this was done by a national uh, researcher Arthur Nelson at the University of Utah and it shows that the difference between 2020 demand and 2007 supply so if we just keep on uh, building as we are there's going to be a demand for 16 million attached homes 28 million small lot homes, and 27 million fewer large lot homes. So the mix is changing. So what that means is there's going to be a lot of homes out there that either the prices are going to plummet because the demand isn't there. I mean, they probably will still house people, but they might not retain their values across the uh, the as they are now. So we really need to start looking at how to adjust those. Uh, the demand and the supply so that we start having communities build those mixed uses and you plan for the future so you can retain the character that you that you want now i have found in talking to aso- realtor associations across the country that this is more true in some places than others and some places are are sure that they're going to be large lot single family and no one wants to live anywhere else and and i have to believe that That's partially true. There's probably communities that really that's the value and what people move there to. But this is happening everywhere at some degree. And so it's really important to know, to, to figure out from your trends how... With the university here, it's probably even a bigger trend that's coming your way, and I would suspect that the people who run the city governments here really want to be able to retain some of those graduates from the university. You want to keep those young people here, so it's important to figure out how to create the community that they want to live in in the future. So, uh, other economic drivers that are changing is knowledge workers uh, approach their work differently than, than we did. And by knowledge workers, we mean people that are working in you know, the IT professions or or uh, just there's so many things that I don't even know about anymore that uh, people are doing for work. And you don't have to be in one place. You can really do your job anywhere you are. And And I'm actually very much like that. I do consulting as a profession. And as long as I have my computer with me and my power plug, I can work... Anywhere in the world, and people, my clients will barely know that I'm, I'm not uh, where they think that I am. Uh, technology is also changing retail. Uh, there's a lot of, with the Amazon, and the, the potential for uh, the order, our orders dropping out of the sky and all that kind of stuff is really going to change the way that our land uses operate, and I think we have to adjust to that. The, there's a lot of areas that are starting to develop tech centers and, and, uh, and, start tr- and, and areas to really attract uh, those knowledge workers. <clears throat> and there's also a change in manufacturing. A lot of the manufacturing we have now is of a... Of a st- cleaner nature, smaller, and can go back into some of the empty uh, buildings that we have in the factories and and really start to attract some of those knowledge workers in this industrial business as well. So that's changing, and and the way that cities regulate manufacturing from the old days, uh, it doesn't give the flexibility that we really need to be able to do more of the heavier or the lighter manufacturing, in areas where people work, so there's uh, people, we really need to look at the entire way that we regulate land uses and in the changing environment. Uh, Retail's changing, this is a pop-up store and they just uh, pop up in different areas to try to get people to know about their websites so that it, rather than having a bunch of inventory there, it really is all website sales and so retail is becoming, uh, ordering online, I think, you know, how many of y'all ordered, did all your Christmas shopping online? I know I did. It's, you know, more and more we're we're doing that. So it's not necessarily good for the community, but it certainly is easy when you've got a fast-paced life. And then I've kind of not paid a lot of attention to this, but I know it's coming our way, the automated. Uh, Vehicles And a lot of plans that people are doing around the country are starting to look at how this will affect land use and, and traffic patterns. And it, it's definitely coming our way. So we really have to figure out that that's going to change who's attracted here, who's living here, and how we do business as well. So yeah, these are just the things that are on the table now. And I suspect in another 15 or 20 years, there'll be another whole set of things that we can't even think about. So it's really important to be nimble, to to move with the technology as it changes.